folks and welcome back to the norwood noise podcast here we are on tuesday february 20th graham griffith back in the saddle with me um so excited to talk some results of course uh we did have the ncaa tournament committee release their top 16 this past weekend um so obviously that you know brings about bracket talk you know we are less than a month out from selection sunday i mean just really really exciting time here uh for college hoops um, a lot of big results to talk about. A couple big headlines. We had a you know a big coach firing last week, so we'll get into all that as we go along. Um, but first of all, I'm going to turn it over to my partner, Graham. Welcome back, sir. Um, how was your week off other than busy and stressful? Yeah, uh, it, it's good. Feels good to be back uh, recording again and a little sense of normalcy. Uh, been a busy couple weeks. Um, but, you know, as, as you said, with the top 16 seeds coming out and with coaches – carousel seeming to already begin you know in, into mid-february um we're gonna have a lot to cover um and it's exciting to know that you're only nine days away from march that extra day that's crazy that extra day uh for leap years gonna it's gonna be felt but you're really gonna throw us off but uh we'll be okay and it's exciting to get uh back into the swing of things here absolutely so we're gonna start with uh saturday really because I, with my solo pod on Wednesday, there wasn't a ton really on, on Wednesday night to talk about other than Auburn's trouncing of South Carolina, which we'll touch a little bit more on later. Um, and then moving forward from that, um, we're going to look at uh, Thursday was kind of a nothing, you know, not, not a ton going on. Um, and then obviously Friday was a little bit lighter schedule. Um, San Diego State got a big win against New Mexico that evening. But outside of that, nothing too crazy. Um so anyways, we're going to get going and roll right into our Saturday results. Um, so kind of per usual, I'll kind of run through them, give some brief commentary, and then we'll turn it over to Graham, see what he's got to say on a couple things. Um, off weekend for you, so you got to see a little bit more hoops, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that's a, that's a huge positive um, there. So got to kind of dial in a little bit. Um, but anyway, we'll start off. Alabama gets a big win at home against Texas A&M, 175. This team, I, I just do not know what to do with this Alabama team yet. I think they're kind of in a really weird um, in-between spot um, where, you know, they could pop off at any moment. I can see them being a, a second-weekend team that gets really hot, but then again at the same time um, just with, you know, some defensive struggles um, and just, you know, overall not being, you know, the most consistently reliable team. Um, but they are the best offense in the country, uh, according to Ken Palm. They're, they're number one in offensive efficiency. Um, and that does put them seventh in, in Ken Palm overall. So the, the computers really like them. Um, they're kind of being projected right now around that 3-4 seed line number. Um, so, again, some of those, that 3-4-5, you can get some kind of sneaky good mid-majors there in those early rounds. Um, but I think if they get a, match, a, a favorable matchup there in that first weekend, 
you could be looking at a, at a cruising second weekend team for Nate Oates' crew. Um, Iowa State gets a good win at home over Texas Tech, kind of just taking care of business. They moved up to number six in the polls this week. Iowa State, that defense is legit. Um, Virginia ekes one out against Wake Forest, um, getting a 49-47 to victory. The Cavaliers, obviously, you know, we discussed um, a couple weeks back now. Uh, I'm still riding high on them. I always think that anytime Tony Bennett's teams can kind of get into the tournament conversation, um, you know, they're, they're going to be in a good spot. This did come after, and I talked about it last week, but it comes after a 74-63 loss at home uh, to Pitt. So you're thinking, okay, you know, good bounce back win over Wake. And then last night was just an absolute abomination for this Virginia team. Um, I think some people kind of lost sight of it um, because they were ranked and then they weren't. It was the first game of Big Monday and you weren't paying a ton of attention. They lose 75-41 to uh, at, at Virginia Tech. So I, I just don't really know what to do with this Virginia team. I do think that they are still a solid team. Um, obviously not really going to be you know an ACC contender by any means. Um, but definitely interested to see what they can bring come tournament time. Um, I think they could be anywhere from a five to a you know nine seed uh, realistically. So who knows what we're going to get out of Virginia the rest of the season? But um, but either way, uh, kind of a, a roller coaster week of results there for the Cavaliers. Um, I thought that Creighton Butler game was going to be a little bit closer um, at Hinkle Fieldhouse, and Creighton just absolutely cruised uh, 79-57. Good win for them. Absolutely shutting Butler down in the second half. Um, Houston gets a good win at home over Texas. No nonsense there. Oklahoma State finally, you know, kind of getting things going, um, getting a getting a ranked win over BYU at home, 93-83. You know this is going to happen eventually in the Big 12 where, you know, the, the, those ranked teams are going going to slip up. Um, but, but good for Oklahoma State to get a win there. BYU, again, I just – another one of those teams I don't really know what to do with yet. Computers like them. The net ranking really likes them. Um, you know, kind of the eye test and the, you know, based on a lot of their results, they're, they're kind of a mixed bag. So I'm really interested to see BYU. I think it's tonight they play Baylor. Um, I, th- I believe it's at home uh, for BYU. Really interested in that game. I haven't seen a ton of BYU this year. I'd love to see more um, of what they've got going on against a Baylor team that I think is really, really good. Um, so, anyway, uh, Duke uh, sneaks out of uh, Tallahassee with a good win, 76-67. Uh, Jared McCain just goes berserk. Uh, Graham, I don't know if you saw any of this. He started the game 8 of 8. I think he was 7-7 from 3 in the first, like, 12 minutes. I mean, it was unreal. I, I didn't watch much of the game, but I did watch that part, and it was ridiculous. I mean, the guy was pulling from way, way downtown. So, a uh, good win for Duke there. Um, North Carolina takes care of business at home against Virginia Tech. Wisconsin <laughs> loses another one. Uh, they've lost five of six now. They lose at Iowa in an overtime game. Iowa, not a good team this year, sitting right around 500. Um, they snuck into the top 16, which we'll get into later. I don't like the way that the Badgers are trending. Um, I would be weary of them moving forward. South Carolina has a bad week. Obviously, the, the midweek loss and then the loss to LSU. Um, over the weekend at home, that's a tough one. I don't really know if this is necessarily like a true color situation out of South, Car- uh, South Carolina, um, but definitely interesting to follow them and, and see how they respond. Kansas gets a gritty road win, 67-57 over Oklahoma. Good win for the Hawks there. Um, Kentucky gets a huge, maybe maybe win in their season, I would say, um, on the road at Auburn. Um, kind of right in the ship a little bit after a really tough week the last couple. Um so good win for Kentucky. Um, definitely a, a fun one to watch just because 
from the perspective of I was waiting to see a rocking atmosphere um, at Neville Arena for Auburn, and really, Kentucky just held on, held, held had such a strong stronghold on that game that it, the place was never really able to get going. So really cool to see them kind of continue to quiet the crowd there as the night went on. And then, of course, a little mid-major love. Indiana State takes two losses this week. They finally get ranked. They lose back-to-back, losing on the road on Saturday to Southern Illinois. That's a tough one for the, the hope at any sort of at-large at large bid from the Missouri Valley as a whole. Looks like it's, you know, I think everybody's got their fingers crossed in Indiana State Drake, uh, NBC title game in St. Louis would be awesome. Um, and then, of course, the headliner game of the weekend, UConn Marquette. At Graham, I was, I don't know about you, I was so excited for this game. You know, it's UConn Marquette, it's midday, you know, in Hartford, Hartford's packed, they're striped out the arena. I think Marquette's a really good team, I think they're going to give them a good run. And the first eight or so minutes, first two wars were great. I mean, it was, you know, exchanging haymakers, 18 to 18, um, is what it got to at one point. I was super excited, enjoying myself watching the game. And then, boom, UConn, 20, 24 to 8 run, just like poof. And, it, and at that point, it kind of seemed like the point of no return for Marquette. So we'll get some more thoughts from you um, on that one. But overall, that it was a, it was a good Saturday and an amazing Saturday. Um, but, yeah, so, Graham, I'll, I'll turn it over to you now. Kind of what were your – Favorite favorite parts of the day now that you kind of got to have a full day of, of watching and enjoying some hoops, um, and then we'll kind of wrap up with uh, you know what you were thinking on that on that Marquette UConn game there at the end. Yeah, uh, the UConn Marquette game. I'll start off um, just because okay. we just talked about it. Um, it. It's really scary for the the rest of the country, in my opinion. That yeah. Marquette um, has been very good this year. They've had a really tough schedule. Um, they did well in Maui, and you're looking ahead at them, and you're thinking. You know, if there's one team that can slow down UConn, it's this Marquette team. And uh, UConn really had a strong grip on that game. I mean, they completely exploded at the end of the first half. And then the second half, Marquette had no answer. About 12 minutes to go um, into the second half, they were up 20-something. And UConn at the time was shooting 21% from three. Um, And that just shows, like, how good of an offensive rebounding team they are and... Um, how well-rounded they are that a team that is not shooting that well that night is, you know, completely manhandling the fourth-best team in the country. Um, They're so deep, and uh, it's going to be really um, scary for the rest of the country once, you know, UConn gets, you know, into the tournament because I think that they are the clear number one favorite. Um, regardless of how good Purdue's been, they dropped that weird game to Ohio State this weekend that we'll talk about soon. Yep. Um, UConn's really, really good. Another team, you know, I wanted to highlight really quick is Arizona. Um, right in the ship. Just yes. beating the crap out of Arizona State. You know, State. a couple weeks ago we talked about how this Arizona team is really hard to kind of get a good grip on because, you know, they – destroyed Alabama and they destroyed Wisconsin who at the time was a very good team um and then you know the close losses to Purdue and FAU you're like okay this is a really good team and then they were dropping these really confusing games um where they didn't look like themselves in Big 12 play and right after that um you know crapshoot of a game against Oregon State where they did not shoot well at all and Oregon State was on fire they've now won um six in a row and I'm really looking forward um, 
on Friday to this Washington State game. Washington State is newly ranked 21st in the country. It's going to be an 11 p.m. tip Friday night. Oh, God. You're, and, you're speaking so nice to me right now. Yeah. Man. This is I mean, awesome. This is a season-defining game for Washington State. You, oh, you, you won't have left yet. God, we got to lock in some plans here. Yes. You, you'll, be, you'll be fully expecting Washington State to come in, um, try to get the season sweep on them because they uh, necked one early on Arizona. And Arizona, you know, just named in the top 16 and a number one overall seed. Um, in the West, and if Arizona can get a big win, that sets them up nicely for the rest of the season because in years past, you would look at the rest of the season and say, oh, wow, you know, this is a tough stretch for them. But they play um, Oregon team, you know, who's pretty solid, but then it's the bottom feeders um, of the Pac-12, and get ready for this joke. You have to play Washington, Arizona State, um, Cal, USC, and UCLA, all teams that have been struggling um, this year overall. Yeah. And I think this Arizona team is really good. Um, they just need, you know, to be the best version of themselves every night. And they have an excellent opportunity to set themselves up for the rest of the season against Wazoo. And finally, um, this Kentucky team was raising a lot of eyebrows. I have no idea what to think of um, this. You know, they, they were – they gave Kansas a good game. The Kansas was the number one overall team early in the season. We talked about that UNC Wilmington game. And then they were really starting to piece it together, and then they kept dropping these bad games, um, including three home losses in a row, which is uncharacteristic for Rep Arena and yeah. Coach well, Cal. <laughs> uncharacteristic? That was the first time ever. Yeah. Um, and now that Auburn win really showed that um, they they can be a really, really talented team at times. Um and finally, I just wanted to show some love to the um, WCC. Yeah. You know, yes. early on in the year, you know, there's the jokes about um, how good the Mountain West has been, how the WCC could somehow find a way to be a zero-bid conference. St. Mary's looked really bad um, early on. Gonzaga was not looking themselves. We There was talk about Gonzaga not making the tournament. Yeah, I think that still might be very much a thing. I, I think – and my opinion that they've both done a good job in their conference to set themselves up nicely for March. Um, and Let me get a little bracket matrix here on Gonzaga. Hold on. Continue. Though. Yeah, so Gonzaga is 1-5 uh, in quad one, so they haven't been able to get those big wins. Um, but outside of that, they have one loss in quad two, and they've done well in conference play. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, I was, I was looking ahead on it just because I think it's going to be such a great game. I wanted to see when Gonzaga... Um, St. Mary's was happening again because that first matchup. It's that last regular season yes, game, yeah. Uh, that first matchup earlier on in February was uh, just a bloodbath, 64-62. And now um, St. Mary's has San Francisco, who's been struggling, and then two quad four games against San Diego and Pepperdine. San Francisco, I think, is tied for the top of the WCC right now. Yes, they are, yeah. handily. Um, they have not lost in conference play, I don't think. Wow. Um and then for this Gonzaga team, you know, on a similar token, you know, they're looking forward to that last game of the year. Um, but they have a tougher stretch with Portland, Santa Clara, they should be able to handle. But then they go at San Francisco and at St. Mary's, a back-to-back road trip game for them. Um, That's awesome. It's a good way to end the season there. And I, I think that, you know, those two wins could, you know, firmly put um, – Gonzaga into the tournament, but if you know St. Yeah. Mary's finishes out the season undefeated, 
I wouldn't be surprised if they snuck in as a four seed. To, yeah. Just because I think these other conferences that have a lot of teams um, in the top 16, you know, the Big Ten has multiple, um, the Big 12 has multiple, um, SEC has multiple. Like, if they cannibalize ourselves a little bit, I could see, you know, whoever finishes the season better between um, St. Mary's and Gonzaga could be in that conversation to sneak in right there. Yeah, so St. Mary's right now is, according to Bracket Matrix, um, we got them at 6.96 right now, so right around that 7 mark. And then Gonzaga is literally the last team in the field per Bracket Matrix. Um, they're at a 10.96 average ranking. Um, and then the next team after that is Indiana State with the auto bid. Um, and everyone after that on the list is auto bid. So they're they're right there. I mean, them, you know, Providence, Seton Hall, Cincinnati, those kind of four teams. Um, let's see who else is in this conversation here. Um, we got Utah hanging around there, Ole Miss, Nevada, Butler. So kind of a, a, an interesting handful of teams there, but definitely something to keep an eye on. I think it's like a firmly on the bubble right now. Um, but we'll be interested to see kind of how they close out that season. Then back-to-back at San Francisco, at St. Mary's. Really, really interesting. Grant, how, what do you think, do you like how ESPN's done it this year where they've kind of grouped two days where they have the same matchups of top-tier teams? Because we had it, what was it, last weekend of January where we had um, we had Kansas-Houston, uh, Duke, North Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, St. Mary's, Gonzaga was like the lineup. And now they're doing the same thing on the last Saturday of the regular season, March uh, second. March second. Oh no, no, no! I'm sorry. Gonzaga St. Mary's is March second. All the rest of those games are on March 9th. Um, those other three, the Kansas, Houston, UNC, Duke, uh, Tennessee, Kentucky. Do you like the way that they've done that and kind of group those big games, or do you like when they're kind of inter- intermingled, like you know, one a weekend? Yeah, I think um, it, it's really good, you know, because it for the bigger conferences because you put more, um, you know, pressure on these games and you kind of built them up because it's like, you know, it's an action-packed weekend. Look at all these top teams. I think um, the teams that struggle is the ones with not as much of a market pool because they're kind of lumped into these days. Um, Like Gonzaga-St. Mary's, like that's going to be a great game. And um, if it kind of gets, you know, washed under or, you know, some of these Big East games, like – to end the season, you know, Xavier at Butler, like, that's going to be an electric game. Uh, both teams will probably be either on the bubble or trying to get onto the bubble going into the Big East tournament. And, you know, if that game gets kind of flown under the radar, um, you know, I think that will negatively impact um, some of those teams. Yeah, I hear what you're saying there. So, um, real briefly, Sunday, like you mentioned, uh, a couple things, a couple takeaways here. One, uh, I watched both games. I watched South Florida FAU and then Ohio State Purdue. Um, first of all, South Florida did not know they were the Yingling Center. Mm-hmm. Come on, that's like one of the best names in college basketball for an arena. That's great. Um, did not realize my people down in Tampa were were rocking the were rocking the Yingling Center. I loved it. So really cool. Their first sellout in the history uh, or in in their basketball program history for USF. So that's pretty cool. Um, Kind of reminiscent of some days in the Big East where you got big crowds down there in Tampa. Um, one of the most random conference affiliations, by the way. I always forget that USF is in the Big East. Um, anyway, so they get a win, 90-86 over FAU. This game was so weird. Did you catch any of this one? 
Yeah. Yeah, it was so weird. I So I had it on in the background, and it was whatever. It, was, it got up to 20 early in the second half, 20-point lead for USF. So I kind of was like, yeah, whatever. So I went back. I was doing some homework, you know, running around the house, doing other things, whatever. I come back, and I look at the TV, and there's like four minutes, or there's like two minutes left. It's like a three-point game. I was like, what What just happened here? Um, so I missed the whole comeback, unfortunately. FAU, heck of an effort. They lose by four, 90 to 86. I think South Florida would have kicked themselves big time if they didn't get this win. South Florida stays atop the American. American race, still an interesting one to watch, um, but definitely something to keep an eye on there. FAU, again, another tough loss. I still think they're a good team. I just think that they're coming back to the pack a little bit more with the American. Memphis, again, we have, I mean, no idea what's going on there. Uh, already hearing some discussions about Penny Hardaway um, getting canned there as he hasn't had really a good season at all once we've hit conference play. Um, so really, I think it's going to be FAU. And I mean, South Florida, you're in a tough spot here, you know, looking at at-large bid. Um, but I do think that, you know, if, if South Florida gets in uh, through, the, through the tournament, that'd be the best for the American because then you could lock in for sure two bids with them and FAU. Um, Memphis is probably on the outside looking at, at this point. So just interesting thing, things to follow there uh, down the American. And then, of course, Ohio State. Knocking off Purdue right after, and this will lead in well, right after they fired Chris Holdman on Wednesday. Weird turn of events here. We're going to turn to a resident Columbus expert here. Um, what did this win mean for the program? Does it mean anything about this next chapter of Ohio State? Is it? Do, do you really think that – because I think for me personally, I think from what I can tell, this seems like a – you know, from the outside, people are going to be like, oh, well, this is just because they got the bad coach out. And, like, they were, the players were playing inspired. I don't – I mean, maybe it's that. I never thought Holtman was that bad of a coach. I'm going to turn it over to you and kind of get your thoughts on the game. Yeah. Um, I think Ohio State just had, you know, the perfect storm of emotions. Um, you know, after, you know, their head coach is fired, you're bringing in the top team and one of the top teams in the country. Um, you desperately – like need a win just to keep you know the dust a little bit settled um and who else better for the job uh than jake diebler i mean if there's if, if there's someone that encapsulates you know being an ohio state buckeye it's him i mean he's been an ohio state fan his whole life um at one point he was the all-time lean scorer in ohio um or he might still be for basketball um like high school or yes he scored uh 3,200 points. No, I'm interested. Well, um, and then he was a Valparaiso guy for a few years yeah. uh, under Bryce Drew. He's yes. at Grand Canyon. <laughs> and then he's been, Ohio, he's been at Ohio State since 2014. Um, and just lived and breathed, um, you know, the Buckeyes for that long. And I think that, like, when you get a guy that loves the school that much, loves his team so much, he's been there forever, he knows the guys, like – you just want to go out there and fight for him. Like, you want to get this win. I don't think that this sets them up for anything. I think that they're far from um, any sort of tournament talk unless they, yeah. unless this is some miraculous run where they win the Big Ten tournament. I just don't see that happening, especially with the way the Big Ten tournament's set up. They, I think they'd have to win five or six win, five or six games. Um, I think this is a cool story, but I think that this is more about um, Ohio State's emotions than it is like a Purdue bad loss, in my opinion. Okay, so just, real quick, I'm just really enjoying looking at this. Okay, first of all, number one is John Diebler. And it's not even close, Graham. He's got 3,200 points, 3,208 points. 
Second place is Luke Kennard, 29.77. He's an MFer. <laughs> oh, really? Luke Kennard was unreal. Really? In high school. Yeah. Well, not even close. He's still he's still 225 points off the off the lead there. Um, other names worth noting on here that uh, John Diebler is above. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of this guy, LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's at 26. He went to that Catholic school in Akron, right? Yep, yep. That one, that one St. Vincent St. Mary, you ever heard of it? Yeah. Um, further down the list, uh, we got Bob Huggins at 12. Mm-hmm. Um, that's awesome, 2438 uh, from 1967 to 1971. And then right below him at 13th, Dante Jackson. Yep. That's Good the man right there. So, anyway, some fun, fun names to look at here on the list. Um, but anyway, so yes, Diebler is still the all-time league scorer in the state of Ohio. I agree with you. I think it was a lot of emotion for Ohio State. I think people were kind of freaking out and blowing this out of proportion um, as oh, this is a horrible loss for Purdue. You know, blah blah blah. I agree with you. I think Purdue is still fine. I wouldn't be too concerned. Um, and we'll just have to see how they how they recover from it. Um, coming up for Purdue, let me check here. Who we got this week for Purdue? We've got. Okay, you take the loss to Ohio State. We got Rutgers at home at Michigan Sunday. Home Michigan State at Illinois, I guess, could be sneaky. Home Wisconsin. Meh. You know, it's just nothing nothing crazy difficult. The, the Big Ten's kind of been pretty meh this year, if I'm being honest. Um, okay, bracket preview time. Here's what we got for those that missed it. Um, February 17th, so this past Saturday, we had the uh, NCAA Men's Selection Committee comes out with their kind of mid-season ranking. I've never been the biggest fan of this. They've, what, they've done this like five, six years now. Um, I've never been the huge, the, you know, the biggest fan of it, but we'll, we'll take it. Um, your one seeds are Purdue, UConn, uh, Houston, and Arizona. By the way, Purdue is the number one overall seed that is worth noting. Obviously, this is before Purdue goes and loses, and UConn beats Scrap on Marquette. I would assume it would probably be switched now, but either way, it is worth noting. Purdue, UConn. Houston, Arizona, in that order. Next up, we've got Tennessee, North Carolina, Marquette, Kansas as your last two seed. Baylor, Iowa State, Alabama, Duke as your three seeds. And then four seeds, you got San Diego State, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Auburn. Graham, anyone that you saw on here that you were surprised to see on here, surprised to see in set ranking, um, and is there anyone that you kind of see trending that could sneak into that top 16? Um, you know, thoughts like that. Yeah, I think that Wisconsin is the uh, the auto, like the first one that jumps off the page is not st- sticking around. Yeah. Um, I think that Illinois um, is pretty safe just because I think that they're just going to be good enough. Um, I, I can't imagine that they're going to drop many games, but I also can't imagine that they go up much higher. Um, the ones that uh, I think of our concern is if other teams are starting to piece it together, you kind of like have to start comparing resumes. And I think like the Baylor, Iowa State, Duke and Auburn family of teams, you're going to have a hard schedule. It's going to be hard to keep wins together. Um, and I think that I could see them dropping out in terms of teams going up. Um, I, I, mean, think, I think I heard a lot of conversation around Dayton. I think Dayton is yes, kind of the obvious so one. I, my first um, thought was is that I, I think that a mid-major sneaks in there. And namely, I think, you know, St. Mary's has a really good chance. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, Dayton also has a good chance. 
And I could also see, like, in a crazy world of New Mexico and Colorado State really, like, pull it together. I don't think that San Diego, I think San Diego State could also be a team that drops out. I think that whoever wins a Mountain West will secure that four seed. I agree, because I think it's going to be, when you're looking at Mountain West, I think it's going to be one four seed, and then everybody else is going to be, like, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Like yeah. That kind of, or maybe first first four, last four in that kind of situation. And out of big conferences, um, I think that this Creighton team is built for March, just um, based off the you know the overall firepower that they have, um, they are not deep. They've struggled to get any production off the bench at all, so much so that in that Butler game, um, Trout plays three minutes, um, Jalen plays one minute, Farabella plays twenty two minutes, and then Ashworth, Shireman, Kalkbrenner, um, and Trey Alexander all play thirty seven to forty minutes. <laughs> Which is just unbelievable. I don't know if it's sustainable in March because, you know, Big East Tournament, you know, it's going to be three games in a row. It, uh, you know, March Madness, you're going to have two games within one weekend. I don't know how far they're going to be able to go only playing five guys. But in terms of the regular season, they've been able to, you know, look really, really good. I agree. I, I was definitely surprised. Crate, I would say the two that I would have had different, I would have had Creighton in. Um, and I would have had Dayton in, and I definitely would obviously would have had Wisconsin out. Um, and then after that, I think probably Illinois, just based on where they're trending. That's also pretty down in the Big Ten. I do think, I agree, I think Illinois will probably stay pretty solid in that 3-5 to five range. Um, but yeah, so always fun to kind of get a look at that, um, you know, and have some kind of idea of where we're at uh, midway through February, um, and obviously with... Uh, with, you know, the, um, excuse me, with, with Selection Sunday here, just a month away on the horizon, um, definitely interesting to kind of keep an eye on. So, obviously, uh, the, kind of the last big headline, um, Chris Holtman fired at um, Ohio State. Obviously, there's been a lot of, um, you know, swirling, swirling rumors about, you know, who's going to be, Taking over, um, you know, as as head coach there for for the Ohio State Buckeyes next year. Um, obviously, Sean Miller on that list in quite a few different areas. Um, I think Lamont Paris, the South Carolina head coach, of course. Of course, Dusty May is gonna you know basically gonna be given a blank check by a lot of these big universities. Greg McDermott from Creighton being thrown around. Nate Oates from Alabama a little bit. Mick Cronin, if he wants to get out of UCLA. Um, and kind of get back to his roots in Ohio. A lot of different options here. I I have no idea where Ohio State's going to go. Um, I think what I will say, though, is I think that they – obviously they aren't going to hire in-house unless um, – Diebler. Diebler, thank you. Um, unless Diebler has just some unbelievable run here and gets some – you know, obviously I think if they win the Big Ten tournament and get the NCAA tournament, like they would probably then hire him. But – um, barring that, I, you have really no idea where this goes. But I think just because of the way that this works is if you're not going to hire in-house, obviously you're going to hire someone, um, you know, probably from a pretty solid high major program. Um, and I think that would be really interesting, kind of set off a, a chain reaction of results, if you may, um, and really get this coaching carousel going. So, Graham, I'll turn it over to you. We can touch on Sean Miller last just because we can kind of roll that into must here a minute. Um, what have you been hearing? Who do you like kind of for this uh, candidacy? And, and who do you think kind of makes the most sense? 
Um, I think that the first thing, that even if Diebler goes on a crazy run, I don't think that they keep him. I think that he just gets a good job. Yeah. Like, he's um, in a safe situation. Yes. Um, and then, for who to hire, uh, I think that this is going to be one of... Um, I think they're going to go for a you know a reputable mid-major who's have proven tournament success, and I don't think that um, it's going to be feasible for them to. You know, there's been some big names swirling around. You know, Sean Miller, Greg McDermott, Nate Oates. Um, I don't think that they're going to be able to pull them away from you know good co- basketball culture, good winning culture. You know, fans pack the arena every night. Um, to go to an Ohio State team that's been failing the last few years, doesn't have a great basketball fan base, you're not in a great arena. Like, I just can't imagine that they're going to be able to get a big name. So I think that this is just like, you know, when you go a month month ago when DePaul fired Stubblefield, all those names that were circling around, I think it's going to be the same deal. I think you're going to have Bryce Drew, you're going to have Danny Sprinkle, Ryan Odom, um, Derek DeVries has got to be in that conversation. Yeah, DeVries, um, Will Wade. Patino, maybe. Richard Patino. Yeah, I think that it's going to be something like that. Um, uh, oh, what's his name? Toro State. Um, uh, oh, gosh. That's um, Sorry. But I think that, that that's the route that they're going to go. You go Medved. Yeah. And I think that it's very – it's too soon – to you know, pick a name because I think how the season finishes is going to be, 100%. it's going to determine what direction that they go. It's really weird having a team open like a, a high profile team like this open so early. This is this is very unusual. So I think that's why, again, like you said, a lot of the um, kind of early conversations are, are really interesting. Obviously, Will Wade's going to be in there. Um, Pat Kelsey, you got to think John Shirts as well. Um, but I would say, you know, again, if you get a high major coach somehow, um, obviously, then it kind of sets off a chain there. But again, maybe not so much just with how it kind of breaks down if they do end up going, you know, mid-major. It probably wouldn't set off too big of a reaction. The only other thing I will mention that I find interesting is right before this happened. So this happened on Wednesday. Right before this happened, it was either Monday or Tuesday. Wade Emanuel, the Michigan uh, athletic director comes out and says, hey, you know, we're we're back in Juwan. I know there's been a lot of backlash. You know, it, it's basically, you know, he's like, it's from no lack of effort, you know, that kind of thing. Essentially, in so many words, says we're going to try and keep him. I, I, I'm not going to, you know, attribute that quote to him, but I would assume that's kind of what he was getting at is that we're going to try and keep Juwan and let him continue his process. Juwan has only been at Michigan – I believe one year less than Holtman was at Ohio State. And as, you know, you're sitting here, if you're Michigan, you're sitting here with your hands, you know, tied because you've just said that you would like to back Jawan. And you're sitting at last place in the Big Ten. And the team that's one spot above you is your biggest rival. And your biggest rival just fired their head coach for what is considered not good enough, you know, performance-wise. I understand both these universities, obviously. Football is first, second, third, and fourth, and you do not have to win, and you don't have that pressure. I I get all that. I find it really interesting to see kind of this, you know, I I don't know, this 
um, this feeling of this, you know, this athletic department just sitting here like, oh, are we really just going to sit here and take that? Like, while Ohio State makes a move, are we going to sit here and, and, you know, trust in Jawan, who so far, I, re- I mean, really has not been good. Um, so I just find it to be interesting. That's that's all I'm going to say. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to speculate that they're going to fire Jawan. It's a big buyout. Um, you know, so it's probably highly unlikely, but it is just worth noting. Um, and it's just something to keep an eye on there. Um, but I, I think that is kind of the biggest thing is a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, if, if Ohio State does this, I mean, like, who's to say that, you know, Kentucky wouldn't fire Calipari if they don't do well in the tournament? You know, there's a lot of, like, kind of that larger conversation. And I just think that people don't realize sometimes how big some of these buyouts are um, and how difficult it would be, um, you know, to, to kind of push someone out. So, um, but yeah, I think that kind of wraps it. We'll roll that into, into must-tier minute. Obviously, been a lot of rumors swirling around Sean Miller taking the Ohio State job. Kind of a weird position. I mean, I think if he wants to go back and go that route of having that Arizona-type feeling again, sure, you could do it. There's also, I mean, he's also said many times publicly that you know he loves where he's at, he's glad to be home, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, and he seems to be getting settled here, too. So... Definitely just something to keep an eye on, um, but obviously his name will be will be circulating a lot. Um, and again, as always, a lot of politics come into this as well. Um, and that's not to say that anyone specific is to blame, but just generally, a lot of politics can come into this sometimes. You know, with you know saying, "Oh, I might leave," just to, you know, get a little bit more here from you know whatever. So just kind of a, another thing to keep in mind there. Um, but yeah, with that, Xavier takes a tough road loss at Seton Hall last week. Um, kind of seemed like a deflated uh, team coming off a really emotional game the past Saturday against Creighton. Um, so, so a tough one for Xavier. Looking ahead, we had some kind of different players on the floor on Saturday for, for Miller's squad. Um, personally, I'd really love to see more minutes out of Kachienze. I think the guy um, could really be a force, especially down the stretch here in this, this season and, and with some more development could be really good next season. Graham, how does the team respond going into you know what is really a, a huge week for Xavier? Um, you got a home game against Providence to build a little a little confidence, and then you got to go road to Marquette, who we haven't seen yet this year, uh, but obviously a very good team themselves. Yeah, I think that this week off um, couldn't have come at a better time, um, just because you know that Creighton game you didn't. It was just like. It was just sucking the life out of you, and then it was bringing you back in. You know, that's a really, you know, gut-wrenching game because we started off so strong, then it was all Creighton for a while, and then we really came together, and we were, you know, a few possessions away from winning that game. I mean, just, you know, when it was single digits down the stretch, you just couldn't get that basket to go, and then, you know, Creighton would respond. Um, And then it's like, okay. You know, that game's over. Now it's time to prepare for Seton Hall, and then you just got the beat breaks off of you. In the game that I felt um, was more demoralizing than the UConn game, because this, you know, this Seton Hall team, like, when when we went there, it's like, okay, we beat this team by 20. We need a win. Set us up for the next couple games. And then to get just completely, you know, spanked, I mean, it just does not feel good. And it's not good for your morale. Whereas that UConn game, you gave it everything you got, and you lost by five without one of their best players. Yeah. And you go there, they're better than they were when you played them. They're full health. 
and then they just beat the brakes off you from the jump. And honestly, I mean, obviously, you know, we got rolled, and it's at kind of a different level of getting rolled, but, I mean, man, Marquette shows it that it can happen to anybody. I mean, right. Marquette got rolled, and they're one of the best teams in the country. So, uh, yeah, definitely definitely worth looking at there. Um, but I think that this notion that the, the season is over and, you know, everything's failed and Sean's going to leave and all this stuff um, – only happened because of how we lose the signal. If you lose a close one or if you win, I promise you, you wouldn't have heard anything. And I think that this Providence game is a great opportunity to not only set you set your set yourselves up for the rest of the season, but it also puts you in a position to weather the storm and you get back to preparing for games looking ahead because right now you're kind of playing with your backs against the wall and that's not where you want to be in February and March because um, there's several teams that we're going to play like Marquette needs big wins for the you know for their tournament resume they want a more favorable seed Providence is trying to get in the tournament Butler's trying to get in the tournament when we go to um, you know the Big East tournament you know St. John's Seton Hall um Villanova, like they're all going to be extremely hungry, so you cannot, you know, you can't, it's, you know, it's kill or be killed at this point in the season. Totally. And I think that this Providence team um, is very talented. They're playing better basketball than the, than they were when we played them the first time. They're coming right off that injury. Um, ten ten days before we played Providence, they lost Bryce Hopkins. Kind of losing still, a little still bit of, a little shell shock from that. Yeah, right? losing their identity, and we were just extremely hot. We're probably not, you know, just being honest, we're probably not going to be able to expect Trey Green to have 20-plus points again. Right. Um, and as we proved in the Seton Hall game, you know, when you play a team the second time, you can't just bank on the fact that you're going to beat them by 20 again. But home crowd um, should help us, and if you are able to beat Providence – you can, you know, collect yourselves, realize that you still have a great opportunity for the season because then it's just like split Marquette, win the other three, which are extremely doable. 100%. I couldn't agree more. I think that as long as things are, are focused on the right, the right things, you know, kind of moving forward, man, if you, if you beat Providence and then, like you said, split Marquette and win the other three, you're in a fine position going into the Big East where you got to get one, probably two wins. Um you know, and then you can kind of reevaluate from there. So, all right. Well, before we get out of here, uh, I did want to really quickly just give a shout out uh, to, of course, I was Caitlin Clark breaking the uh, all-time NCAA scoring record for women's hoops. She's also she's got Maravich on the ropes as well. Um, I don't know if you saw this. It's, I think it's close. She'll probably she might do it by the end of the year. Um, but either way, just want to give a quick shout out there. Um, obviously, we typically cover men's men's college hoops here, but did want to give credit where credits due. Um, I and I will say this just to get this on the record. And Graham, I think I told you this recently. I've never watched a player play or watched a player shoot with such a not not nonchalant, but just like quick release. Seems like she can shoot from anywhere. Kind of situation. I can't compare it to anyone except for Steph Curry. Legitimately, I mean there. Are, they're the two people that you I, saved yourself there. Yeah. Oh, well, I wasn't worried. The other than. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> good. Good. Um, no, of course. Steph. Steph's the only one that I can see 
just shoot in such a quick, you know, pull-up manner from anywhere on the court kind of situation. Because even, like, Ray Allen, obviously, you know, one of the best shooters of all time. Just very kind of mechanical, you know, smooth shot, like that kind of thing. With, you know, with with Clark and, and Curry, it seems like they can shoot from their hip, from their left shoulder, from their right shoulder, from behind their head, and it might still go in. So it's just really entertaining to watch. I, If you caught any of the game when she did break the record – I mean, it was just it was it was an absolute clinic. So, just credit where credit's due. There, wanted to shout that out. Um, and yeah, that'll kind of wrap it for us this week. Um, thank you all again for joining us as always, and we'll get back to you again next week after a big week for Xavier, big week for college hoops, just generally. Um, and yeah, we'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you so much for joining us. Cheers. Have a good one.